Welcome back to the Fastest Known Podcast for the past few weeks. Yes, where you've been counting down the sixth annual Fastest Known Time of the Year Award. 51 voters cast their ballots. And this is so cool because this is what the community feels were the best FKTs of the year. And... uh, Wait, wait, wait. I got to pause right here because we have our guest on the line right now. If I say anything else, I'm going to give it away. So, Hillary, let's introduce the guest first, shall we? Let's just do that first. Yeah. So today on the guest, we have Nika Myers. I'm really excited to talk to her today. Welcome, Nika. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here with the two of you. Well, well, terrific. We're going to get to you in just a second. But first... Hillary's been with us this past five weeks or so. So a big call out to Hillary Allen, who's done a fantastic job here, who lights it up and makes it all fun, which I really appreciate a great deal. So Hillary, thank you very much for being with us. Oh, I'm so thrilled. I hope everyone's enjoyed my, you know, very opinionated uh, comments. But it's, it's like I said, every time I think it's like my favorite time of the year. Um, so I'm thrilled to be able to interview everyone that we've talked to so far. So, yeah, thanks for including me, Buzz, because you're the real MVP of this whole thing. <laughs> well, thank you. Appreciate that. But now who we really have come to appreciate, I didn't do the full introduction here because that would give it away. So, Hillary, what do we have to say to Nika? Oh, I'm so excited. I have the honor. Um, So drum roll, please, because Nika Myers has been the number one voted by the community FKT of the year (laughs) for her Colorado Trail FKT. Congratulations, Nika. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. That's like, what? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you to everyone. Huge surprise. Cannot believe it. Well. Just soaking it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, listeners, as you can tell, we're not uh, faking it. I mean, we the, Nika just found out this very moment, same time you found out. So, congratulations, Nika. And I should note that you uh, you were pretty solid in this one. You know, the, the, all across the board is difficult. The voters commented how difficult the voting was, but you you came out. Your number one number was was right out there. So you got a lot of support. Wow, I am beyond honored. Um, I'm sharing some happy tears because when I start off to do these adventures, I don't necessarily think about being, you know, number one at all. It's more just finding what's the best in my own self and feeling connected to a place that I am so deeply connected to as in where I'm living and to just have that support of a community behind these big dreams is like is such a gift I feel very incredibly lucky so thank you anyone who (laughs) who felt that um what I did this past summer was um interesting (laughs) (laughs) well what you did was the Colorado Trail it's one of the classics, of course, one of the premier routes. Very competitive. You know, multiple people go after it every single year, and most of them come up short. So you don't don't hear about those. But uh, Michaela Osler at the FKT last year, you went 22 hours faster this year, and you came within four hours of the supported time going unsupported. Mm-hmm. Your time was nine days, 14 hours, and 19 minutes for almost 500 miles and again, to clarify, self-supported. That means there's no one following you around in a <laughs> kitted out sprinter van, right? There's no one there popping your blisters, giving you breakfast, kicking you out on the trail, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You carried everything on your back except for food and water. That's uh, that's different. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I'm so, you mentioned Michaela, and I'm so grateful for her support. Uh, we have really bonded this year over our FKTs. I'm so proud of her for her long trail FKT that she um, just powered through in so many ways. But uh, she had reached out to me in May kind of explaining that she wanted to go for that um, for the long trail FKT. And um, and I was like, oh my gosh, I've been meaning to reach out to you too because I have dreams of maybe doing the Colorado Trail. And uh, it created a really supportive uh, partnership, which I was just 
I am very lucky for, <laughs> um, especially within this community. Just that support, again, is amazing. And that's what I love about, I think, the FKT community is just because, you know, you set a hard FKT, uh, this amazing time, and you kind of, it's like an invitation to the community community to be like, okay, who else is going to, like, let's go, let's take this one step further, whether it's, you know, besting a time or kind of trying it out in a different effort. Um so I think that was really cool because we had talked to Michaela and, um, you know, she was telling us about how you guys kind of exchanged some beta. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. Um, I mean, I know the Colorado Trail is near and dear to your heart. Um, can you tell us anything about either your favorite, your favorite part or one of the most challenging parts of your FKT? Yeah. Um, well, I think the most challenging, my favorite are a little bit different, <laughs> um, uh, but you know, even just getting the opportunity to uh, explore, you know, I moved to Colorado about five years ago from Vermont. And some of these uh, places that I had first experienced uh, in 2016 on my Continental Divide Trail through hike have kind of become my backyard. And especially during quarantine, I felt really lucky to be able to explore some of our local mountains. And with that was my curiosity for uh, seeing what my body could do in the mountains on an extended adventure like the Colorado Trail. And so some of my my favorite parts were really maybe not even a physical landscape, more just like the sense of being completely um, present and at peace and being so happy. Uh, it was just this feeling that it didn't have to be the most beautiful landscape. Like it, like literally one of the most mundane, you know, even at the beginning of the trail when you're kind of flowing through the hills outside of Denver and, um, you know, you're walking up uh, on a road or in a burn zone and it's not necessarily the most scenic place. But for me, I think I hadn't felt the feeling of being completely content and exactly where I wanted or felt like I needed to be in a really long time. And so that was one of my absolute favorite um, parts of the whole trail. Like I really believe that this is exactly where I needed to be in that place and time. Uh, and then also knowing that I had a supportive community uh, cheering me on from afar, I think is also one of my favorites. One of the most challenging I think was this on like day six, uh, when I was on Sergeant's Mesa. So I still had about like 200 miles to go. And I got this excruciating pain and like my lower, like kind of an IT band, like pain, but it was really different than anything I'd kind of experienced before. And it felt like, uh, like muscles were tearing away from bone in my, in my left knee. And I like couldn't really bend my leg. And so that was definitely a really challenging part to um, like physical challenge to just like have to totally reset. I stopped like at eight that day it was totally light out, but I knew that I had like 200 more miles to go. And if I didn't really take care of my body, like probably wouldn't go 200 more miles. Maybe I could go like 10. So that was uh, a, you know, kind of just managing that um, physical pain was a different challenge than I'd experienced. Um, that was very like directive, like, you know, full body pain. I know that you can, you both can fully, you fully understand what I'm talking about, but sometimes when it's really localized and targeted, it's really easy to focus on so much. And I think that was a growing point for me because I just haven't uh, experienced that a lot in, um, in my life that really localized pain. Um, and so that was a challenge, definitely, that I remember a lot. Also, the lightning and the wetness were was something that um, this the hike uh, tested me. I'm from the East Coast, so I'm really used to hiking in rain. I don't that doesn't bother me, but I think it's more the lightning and exposed terrain that again was a total new learning opportunity of what I can push through and what is safe and what is worth setting my tent up for and just like waiting a few hours and letting pass. Um, 
So I don't know. That was a long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're out there for 10 days. So <laughs> actually, it's a pretty quick answer. <laughs> relatively. <laughs> yeah, relatively. But going back to um, what you just said there, you're from the East. You're from Vermont. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Michaela a minute ago, mm -hmm. and she's from Vermont, too. So I'm mm -hmm. not sure what's up with Vermont. Vermont, you're like, whoa, <laughs> man, there's something in the water. Vermont's, uh, of course, we had... Uh, in the top 10, we had a, a male FKT in the long trail. Mm. And we had you know, the Prezi Traverse by male and female were on there. So go Vermont. They, if, if they're, Hillary, maybe we should start doing a state FKT of the year <laughs> award too. Vermont might win this year. Yeah, or how many submissions, right? I think uh, maybe it just goes with that. It's very tough, right? Like, uh, you know, like you said, maybe me from Colorado – Going out in the rain, I'm a bit like, ugh, because it doesn't really <laughs> happen that much. So I'm not really that used to it. But then, I mean, we were, when we were talking to Michaela, like, you know, going on the, the Vermont Long Trail, and I went on Camel's Hump for a run, and it was, like, rainy and slippery. I'm like, how do you do this? <laughs> um, so, yeah, maybe a different breed of Vermonters. I respect I respect you, you all. <laughs> Well, Michaela, and you have this mutual admiration society, and she sort of described what you just said in a uh, other words. She said, "Oh yeah," where she, you know, after we already had a conversation with her, and she said, "So who's who? Who was the number one?" I said, "Well, we can tell you right now. It was Nika." She said, "Oh, great, fantastic! So glad to hear that." And then she said, just right out the top of her head, she is so blissed out. That's what she her exact word. She's blissed out when she's out there in the trail. And she still puts up the numbers. So I think this is a pretty fair quote. I love that. Well, thank you, Michaela. You, I, she was so supportive the whole time. And I'm just so grateful. I also texted her this morning being like, <laughs> and, but I hadn't heard back. So I'm glad to know that you guys have had a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe she'll, t she'll text you right after. Yeah. <laughs> right after that. Here, she has a really beta. I didn't know. Part. This is exciting. <laughs> yeah. I love that quote. Well, let, let's. Let's well. So do I. I I wrote it down. Um, let's uh, fit, f go back to that rain comment that Hillary noted that you commented on. So listeners should go into the website. Just you know, click through on either the article or on the written show notes, and then they could read your written trip report, Nika, and which I just did. And it's uh, you know day one. 50 miles, day two, I should say 49.7, then 50.8, then 50.1, then 50.8, 50.2. So yeah, you you can throw down the numbers while you are blissed out. I, I think it's a good combination there. But then I'm also reading, you know, at the end of day, uh, that one day rained all afternoon, soaking wet, 10 p.m., find a spot to sleep. It's like, hmm. <laughs> so one could read between the lines here and say, yeah, you're out by yourself. It's dark. You're in the mountains. It's been raining. You're wet. And you got to get out your, I'm not sure what you used actually, a tent or a bivy and get in that and recover completely for a 50 mile day the next day. That's the self-supported game. Very different than supported. So Nika, I mean, you can't just say, yeah, I'm used to the rain. I mean, did you have to tough it out here? I mean, did you have to really grit it out to make it through this type of conditions? Or was it really kind of okay for you? So part of it was okay. Like, it's tiresome. It's frustrating. It makes... Um, it makes some of my decisions, especially if the temperatures are really cold at night, just to be like really smart about my gear. Like if it's dry all the time, I become super like almost lazy with my gear. And, but when it's wet all the time, I'm constantly thinking about keeping stuff wet, dry, not wet. And, um, and then also I'm way more aware of like where I would find a spot to take a rest that's warmer and possibly drier. And so just those decisions, I think you just have to think about a little bit more. Um, I'm, you know, 
I really actually, I love rain and I don't mind hiking in rain. It's just like the constant rain that I'm not a huge like fan of when I'm trying to go far fast. And the lightning and thunder part was definitely more of a challenge than the rain because, you know, being very humbled by these Colorado mountains (laughs) frequently. Uh, And, and I think, you know, I would, I would look at the beginning of the trail. Um, I kind of looked at what the weather might look like over the next like week or so. And I saw a lot of rain and like afternoon thunderstorms, but that's obviously super classic for July in Colorado. But what I wasn't quite expecting was that those thunderstorms were going to like come in at like 11. Uh, and you know, it's easy to get over like, like day, um, I don't know, it was like day two or three when I was going over the 10 mile range. Like I just woke up at 11 at night because the storms were going to come in. And I just don't think I have enough confidence or maybe it's not even confidence. I just, I really don't like lightning. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and I don't know if it's worth uh, me risking my life for an FKT to like power through a storm so that I can like just keep going. So I think a lot of those decisions for me were coming from a um, a place of just like try to as hard as you can to get through this exposed terrain before a storm comes in. And there was several times where I would like even before I went over the high point, I remember coming across Spring Creek Pass and seeing the thunderstorm coming in and then having this deluge of like hail and thunder lightning. And I'm like, I'm not going to go up to 13,000 feet for, you know, five, six miles in this raging thunderstorm. So I was in my tent, which lasted like two and a half, three hours. And I was like in my tent, like fidgeting. Oh, also that was like, I hadn't drank caffeine since like June 1st. Cause I had been like hoping that I would have, you know, some, maybe the caffeine would help me uh, a little bit on this FKT if I minimized it at the beginning. And my stomach like couldn't even stomach it at the beginning of the trail. And so I had had my first cup of like coffee that at lunchtime. And then all of a sudden I was like in my tent, like at tree line in this thunderstorm, like so wired. And like, I felt like this like caged animal. And I was like, this is horrible. Like mentally and physically, I just want to keep going. And, but that was a good, like, no, it's okay. Don't. And I'm so glad I didn't go up because it was, there was like a good, like, you know, layer of big sized hail and, uh, and, you know, things like that, that were a little bit more challenging than just the rain. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, one of my least favorite weather to like go through, especially like on the high mountains, like obviously lightning is scary, right? There's Mm -hmm. a reason why you don't like it. It's maybe not (laughs) confidence. It's more of like safety. Um, but also, uh, wind, I hate it. And from my like neuroscience background, I'm always thinking it's like, it triggers some like fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's like, that's like the kind of in, it's just innate. It's like this fear, I think, um, because it's, you know, if, if we're thinking kind of back in evolution, it's like, wind is telling someone that a store a storm is coming right animals mm-hmm. like we're animals at our core so i think uh i can definitely relate to you on that and i mean you're on the elements like you really had no other place to to go you just had to wait it out um so yeah maybe you'll go back to see if you can take off two to three hours from that that rainstorm <laughs> i know well initially i had wanted to go for the overall record and still it was like that is a huge goal um you know, and, but it's kind of fun. You know, I, I don't necessarily always want to limit my, my goals by my, my gender. And I do identify as a female. So I, you know, that goal is a, an exciting goal to go for as well. But um, I think, yeah, there was part of me, it, towards the end of the trail, like, especially there, the last night was, you know, across Colorado, there was like mudslides and like crazy storm that came in. Uh, and I remember just sitting under a tree and feeling like there was just so much waiting when I felt like physically and mentally like, okay, but maybe that was like a blessing in disguise that if I had just kept powering through some of those nights, like I wouldn't have had as much rest and my body maybe would have fallen apart. So, uh, I try to look at it as, there's definitely opportunity, I think, uh, to, um, you know, if, 
if we had perfect weather conditions, which we never do, uh, you know, so right. I think I'm perfect proud of what I did. In the, in the, I'm proud of what I did with what was given to me. But like, I, there's a little part of me that's convinced that, you know, there was like a lot of sitting sometimes when I really didn't want to because of the storms. And uh, who knows, you know, but I try not to dwell on that. <laughs> right. Well, and I should note that anyone who is confident being in lightning is not a person I ever want to go out with. <laughs> Touche. I like that, Buzz. I like that, too. Yes. <laughs> well, the voters, uh, again, really appreciated what you did. Here's a few quotes. Nika Myers threw down on the long trail last year, but the Colorado Trail showcased a next-level approach to the trail. To finish in the time she did so close to the various supported FKTs underscores just how special this run was. So what uh, techniques? So people should know that you're actually very experienced. You, know, you have this really fun, enjoyable attitude, which we really appreciate, but you're, you've done the Triple Crown. Mm-hmm. which means you did the big three trails, the Pacific Crest Trail, the Appalachian Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail. And, of course, the FKT and the Long Trail last year, the Arizona Trail. So you're a very experienced hiker. So, Nika, what advice? You know, I mean, can you give the listeners something concrete or any tips, things that they're not thinking of? If they If they were considering maybe going for an FKT? Or, or anything, either an FKT, yeah, either way, good question. If they're going for an FKT, what would you have to say? Or maybe you should say stay home if it's the Colorado Trail. <laughs> or just for hiking, you know, just what advice for this multi-day can you give people? Yeah, well, well, first, you know, I think if you have a dream of an FKT, a through hike, you know, whatever, a big challenge, a marathon – whatever um, that may be and what it might look like for you, I would just say go for it because there's never going to be like the perfect time to go. And so like trusting your instincts is so important. Like, um, you know, and if you don't set that goal, like everything you learned during um, your, you know, even just stop like stepping forward and like taking that risk, um, you should be really proud of. Um, and like, you know, every second, like I would think, you know, if I had to get off trail for some reason, like every second I was out there, I was learning new things that would help me in the future. And so not being super hard and disappointed if things don't go exactly as planned, cause they're not going to go as planned. Uh, they're, they're probably going to go better than planned, <laughs> but sometimes they don't. Uh, and that's okay too. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I do a lot of, um, solo hikes, but I didn't start that way. And I think that sometimes, um, you know, doing things solo can be, is, is a way that I really enjoy, um, going for hikes and FKTs. But I think that if that's not someone's style, that, they're just as badass if they want to go with a partner or someone else because it's just not for everyone. But I think it's easy to kind of get in that mental mindscape that you like have to do everything by yourself all the time in order to have it be like super cool or unique. Um, and I know for, um, for me, you know, like definitely reaching out to the community is just so important um, to have, the support of previous record holders or just other hikers in general. And it feels, makes it feel really friendly and super supportive rather than really competitive and like secretive, which I have never really thrived in at all. Um, And like a hike your own hike. You know, I personally don't like to know where people who are going for an FKT like camped or finished or had like hiked their mileage in a day or whatever. I just know that, um, you know, if you finish by a certain time, um, that maybe that's all you did. You did all you did to get to that, like, end, you know, um, and however that worked for you, that's awesome. I don't know. Those were a couple of things to think about. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would not be an FKT of the year award season without someone saying what you just did. We say this every year. So I'm going to say it. I'm going to repeat what you said, Nika. It's if you don't remember anything from this, remember hike your own hike. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's the byword of the through hiking community that applies to all life. Actually, mm-hmm. as I think it was that Oscar Wilde said, uh, "Just be yourself. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is taken." Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I like that. Yeah. Well, by the and you did yeah. this Colorado Trail. You set a steep record too in 1999. You know. <laughs> wow! Oh, you've done your homework. <laughs> oh yes i mean i am not this is like i i mean i'm honored to you know have the number one title this year but i it's like it's just so not possible without knowing um all these amazing humans who've gone like yourself before me i'm not setting i'm not doing anything new (laughs) (laughs) well what isn't new is i read your trip report you talk about you you some of your crew couldn't meet you at the finish because mudslides. Oh. Totally. That's what happened to us. I mean, they, they closed uh, the 550, Highway 550 between mm-hmm. Silverton and Durango due to mudslides, mm-hmm. uh, due to torrential rain. Yeah, so the Colorado Trail will tend to make you pay the price. <laughs> it, it will. Um Totally. And Hillary, I, I know you were, you might've just started asking me a question, but um, like I said earlier, I have been a huge fangirl of yours uh, for so many years. And I remember watching your Ted talk, I think, I don't know, one of them. Um, <laughs> like it was, it was a talk you gave after, like after your, um, your accident. And you said like, and I remember thinking about this on my um, long trail FKT too, Um, but you said something along the lines of, um, like strength is a choice. And I remember that resonating so much with me being like, it is, you know, like, I mean, our mental, our mental mindscape can be like, so, um, hindering in so many ways. And I, um, I just, I was like, I have a chance to tell Hillary that I thought about that (laughs) because I never in a million years would have imagined that we would have shared a space um, together at the same time. (laughs) So I feel really grateful for that. But um, this is amazing. (laughs) I'm taking notes from, you know, if I ever want to go out, you know, there is never a good time to do these things. But I think how you had described your experience, it's just, it's so personal. And I loved how you said, like earlier that, you know, you felt like this is exactly where you needed to be, even with like the challenges and everything that you face. So I'm honored that you would even think of me out there. But I think it's just how you described it all and your experience and just going for it is, it's amazing. So I can't wait to see what you get into in years to come. And hopefully we can interview you again on the fastest known uh, podcast and also for maybe an FKT of the year, who knows for 2022. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations again, Nika. And as Hillary said, we look forward to staying in touch. Thank you. I do too. <laughs> well, Hillary, that was good. That was, I really appreciated that. And now we are down to the wire. Oh, wait, I shouldn't have said that. If I say that, oops. I'm not trying to give anything away. I better shut up right now and Hillary let you introduce our next guest. I know, Buzz. I love how you give me the honors of doing this. So I have the (laughs) pleasure of hopefully the element of surprise uh, to introduce the male uh, community voted FKT of the year number one, John Kelly for the Petty Way. Hello, John. How are you? Yeah. Hey. Yeah, that that was unexpected. Um, <laughs> wow, there there were a lot of of really incredible runs uh, this past year. So, you know, I, I thought I might. I, I was thrilled to make it into the top ten, and and thought I might sneak into the top few. But that's uh, thank you. That's that is uh, quite quite the honor and, and quite the surprise. It was, Hillary. I appreciated the way you did that because we got a moment of dead silence out of John as he was as he was processing this. <laughs> well, that that could also be the, uh, the the internet connection I'm on here next to the two uh, thousand year old stone circle in the cow pasture. We we don't get the highest uh, bandwidth. <laughs> Are you near a two thousand year old stone circle? Actually, I think I've I've uh, done it an injustice there. I think it's three or four thousand year old, but yeah, it's just right out my window here. 
I didn't know that. We've been in the well. We're going to get into your FKTA promptly, but just for people who do not know, John Kelly, ex Tennessee, expat American, and once called him an ex Yank, and boy, he corrected me quick and fast on that one. But he is an expatriate from America, living in the United Kingdom, where he's been tearing it up for the past few years over there. And you start off uh, the Pennine Way a couple of years. Uh, what am I saying? A couple of years ago, last year, breaking, yep. breaking Matt Hartley's Mike Hartley's record, and then eight days later, your pal Damien Hall took it down again. And we had a conversation about that. You were saying, "Hmm, I no, you weren't going to let that one rest." And indeed, you did not. So in May of this year, you came back and took it down again. I think that's why you were voted by your peers number one because there's that element of competition. I mean, it's fun if someone goes out there and does a great time, someone that goes out there and does something really creative, high, long, hard, but you bettered other really good athletes. And so I think that gave you the nudge above. That, that is definitely a, a big part of it. And FKTs, you do run that risk of, of something being, being an OKT, an only known time. Uh, what I did last year, where I, I did the, the three big UK fell running rounds and I cycled between them. Uh, technically it's an FKT because no, no one had done it before. And I, I don't know if anyone will ever do it again. I hope they do. Uh, but the Penine way has, has been quite competitive and I very much hope that people continue to challenge that record. Otherwise it, it doesn't really serve its purpose as a, as another, uh, step for people to continue progressing upward. Well, good point. Indeed, John, I was encouraging Hillary to take on the grand round herself next year, wasn't I, Hillary? I think this is perfect. You do the three biggest projects in the UK all back to back by cycling in between them. I think I think you totally got this. Oh, yeah. OK, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it in somewhere. Um, but I mean, I, I I love to see the Pennine Way, um, you know, up at the top of the premiere, you know, of, of FKT of the year, because this is the first year that we've opened up, you know, the FKT of the year internationally. Um, and I think the UK is another, you know, big epicenter for, you know, FKTs. And there's a lot of like, it's in the culture. And so it's really cool to see uh, the community also, you know, show some great respect for for that route as well. Yeah, and it's it's so ingrained in the culture that there's there's a bit of pushback about whether you call them FKTs or records here because they've been doing it so long that that they do know, they do know that it's 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 the fastest time, not not just the uh, the, the fastest known. It's it's definitely the fastest. Ooh, that's a darn good point. The history in the UK goes way back way back. I really liked that point. When I coined the term fastest known time, it really was real. You couldn't figure it out. You yeah. weren't quite sure. So it was an excellent way of putting it. Excellent clarification, John. There, they yeah, definitely that, know. And and that's that's what I tell people here in explaining the, the FKT term, that there's so many trails and, and routes in the U.S. That, that you really don't know. You don't know if, it's, if someone has done it faster before. We haven't had that level of record keeping in doing these things. And so I, I kind of explain it as, you know, a, a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. And a, a record is an FKT, but an FKT isn't necessarily a record. John, I think you need to start hosting this podcast. I think y'all do, do a great job. I'm, I'm a better, uh, better guest, I think. <laughs> Okay. Well, something else that I really appreciate about the UK um, is that, you know, weather is not an excuse. You just kind of go out and do it and you're like, you deal with the conditions. Uh, and I think uh, a lot of the, the records and, you know, it wasn't pristine conditions, right? You have this weather window, but I mean, I think that's kind of how you described it from from your, your FKT. Um, <laughs> you said the conditions weren't horrible, but definitely far from optimal. So um, do you want to explain that a little bit? Yeah, it's it's really impossible here on, on one of these multi-day events to try to time a, a perfect weather window, especially when you have the logistics of organizing dozens of people supporting you 
during the time and, and they're getting days off. And the way the weather is here, it's just, it's not only is it going to rain, it's has it rained in the past week or two because the ground holds so much water. And so if there's been a big storm a week before you go, that, that's almost worse uh, on some of these, these routes than having a storm while you're doing it because you're running through these bogs that will just suck you into them waist deep and it's <laughs> it, it, it makes for some some pretty tough going so so trying to find a weather window here where you're going to have two weeks of of dry weather i mean it does happen but it's it's akin to winning the lottery hmm. well for people who are not quite aware, the Pennine Way is, I think, correct me if I'm mistaken, the classic long trail, the most notable long trail in the UK. It was one of the first ones modeled, I believe, after the AT. People say, well, the Appalachian Trail goes across the country. We need something like that in the UK, and that's what they came up with. So, boy, huge history here. It's uh, 400, approximately 400 kilometers long with 11,000, 12,000 meters of vertical gain. So no big mountains, but a lot of up and down. And like you say, not a lot of cruiser terrain either. Is that how you would describe it, John? Yeah, it's, it's very undulating. Uh, there are a, a few good-sized climbs, but I, I mean, it's, it's not a, a giant 3,000-foot climb or alpine climb in Colorado or, or the the Alps. Uh, it's, it's just constant up and down, uh, very difficult underfoot conditions. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, uh, I, I would say difficult the entire way, uh, rather than having any one in particular, uh, worst section. Gotcha. And you did this in, uh, two days, 10 hours. And out of that, you slept 20 minutes. So my other follow-up question is, are you the sleep deprivation king? I, I don't know. It, to be honest, it's something that I've, I've struggled with in the past, and I feel like I'm still trying to work on, on what the best strategy is for me. Uh, one year at Tour de Gion, I, I definitely failed on, on the, the sleep strategy, and it, it really hurt me. On this one, uh, I was going to try to power through it without sleeping. Uh, I feel like 60 hours is right at that threshold where it's it's possible. Uh, I've certainly seen people uh, go that far without sleeping in, in Barkley, for example. Uh, but I did on that second night. It was it was quite sudden uh, as as night fell and I had about 100 kilometers to go. Uh, I was I was joking with my support crew about finishing the next afternoon, which would have been like under 50 six hours. Uh, and not long after that, it, it just, it really hit me and I had to try to grab a power nap and I ended up stopping for, for longer than, than I wanted to. It was, it was one of the, uh, things that was possibly, uh, a, uh, spot where, where I could have saved some time. I, I only slept 20 minutes, but I stopped for probably 40. Um, but who knows? If I hadn't have done that, then maybe I would have completely fallen apart and, and blown up shortly after that. So it's sleep is a, a very difficult thing to solve. I mean, and I've seen, you know, like there's different strategies, for instance, um, for, you know, power naps versus, you know, but I, I agree with you. I think, you know, 60 hours is right on the right on the cusp. But did you notice um, when you said that you had to take a break, like, was this you like you were having problems like navigating like cognition like decision making like what what or you just literally couldn't keep your eyes open? It, it hits everyone a bit differently. Uh, for me, when I get bad, I, I just I can't keep my eyes open. I, I mean, I'm I'm stumbling around. I could fall asleep while I'm walking. Uh, some people get hallucinations and see all sorts of crazy things that that's never happened to me. I just flat out cannot stay awake. And uh, I've, I've taken many dirt naps in, in my day. But on this one, fortunately, I, I had a support van that I was able to get to and, and take a, a nap in an actual bed. That probably helped. 
Well, since you have done so many of these things very successfully, let's stay with the advice column a little bit here. How about nutrition? Of course, you got to talk about this. You're going nonstop. So it's not like three square meals a day. I presume this is a certain number of calories per hour. You're just doing these calories per hour just at a steady state throughout the entirety of the event. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, trying to. So this is another area where, where I've actually struggled. It's, if anything, uh, my stomach is my Achilles heel in doing these things. Uh, so there are definitely some tricks in, in terms of when you eat, try to eat. Um, if you are going to sleep, get food before you go to sleep. Let it digest while you're sleeping. If you have a big climb going up, eat before the big climb. It can digest on the way up. You never want to stuff your face before a big descent because then it's going to jostle around and it's it's not going to end well uh having a variety of foods that you're familiar with that can satisfy salty savory sweet uh, any craving you get your body is extremely good at telling you what it needs and craving that thing uh, when you get in those situations but then also remembering that that all of these things are are connected. When we mention sleep, a lot of people think when they get tired, maybe take some caffeine. A lot of times food, calories, is more effective than caffeine. And if you take too much caffeine, you're going to get nauseous and you're not going to eat and it's going to be a net loss for you. Um, and then also water and, and electrolytes are, are big issues. But this is, this is something I have battled with on my first attempt at the Penine Way. Um, the, the record uh, I set that Damien broke shortly after, I, I ended up with with ulcers uh, on that one, and I was hardly able to eat for, for most of the run. Uh, so it's it's definitely something that's important, and really, uh, it, unfortunately, everyone kind of has to learn for themselves. There, there's no one prescription works for everyone in, in terms of food. Well, I personally would like to learn from you since you're better than me. Uh, so let me ask you one other little question here. Is it true it's a solid state dietary caloric intake throughout the duration? So 58 hours, you're eating 400 calories an hour or trying for that? Or what's your number? I, I am not fortunate enough to have a stomach that can handle that. Um, if I get mm. north of 200, um, I'm quite happy. Uh, something like the grand round. One thing that really benefited me was having the cycling in between the running when I'm on a bike. And again, you don't have that jostling around. I, I could stuff my face. And, and for me, that was making up lost time when I wasn't able to eat as much on the run. But I have also, um, the past few things I've done this year after the Penine way, I've, I've had some rather major stomach issues and, um, I, I'm kind of trying to work out if I have some food intolerances, maybe a, a mild allergy to something uh, at the moment. I actually I have a few hives on my neck here right now that I think is from something I was testing uh, earlier rather than the elimination diet. I've, I've chosen the try to give myself a reaction diet, which uh, I feel is, is a much quicker solution. But anyway, I mean, that's that's just another thing that get the calories down, but get them down with something that you're familiar with that, you know, isn't going to make you break out in hives or give you an ulcer or any of these these other issues. So at this point, I'm trying to actually simplify uh, what I eat on these things instead of just having a giant buffet of of whatever. Yeah, and I mean, I can definitely relate to the being able to eat quite differently on a bike versus running. Um, I experienced the exact same thing. I could eat a whole meal on a bike and it's totally fine. So uh, the it can be a challenge if it's like the constant... Um, <clears throat> you know, the constant just jostling of running. But then also I think certain times of day might be harder. Your body's used to sleeping at certain times of day. So it could be harder to absorb things. Um, but I also just think it takes time, like you mentioned, after, you know, after the Pennine Way, maybe you had some trouble with, I think it's your body also readjusting. But I like what you were saying is that it's it's really individual. And it really, I think, is a matter of practice, like knowing what works for you and then practicing it. Yeah, absolutely. And and you can train your gut exactly the same way you can train your legs. And the other thing you mentioned there in, in terms of 
uh, individualism is circling back to the sleep. And you mentioned times of day where you might want to eat. There's also times of day where you've got to understand your own circadian rhythm. Like I know that I am going to want to fall asleep flat on my face right after sunrise. Most people get energized. For me, it takes me a few hours. Right after sunrise, I want to go to sleep. And then there's a spot kind of early evening where it hits me as well. And I know that if I can just power through those little stretches, then then I'll be okay. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. Hillary, this is fun. This is fun. We get to learn from John. And uh, I, of course, when Susie said about the bike thing, of course, I I had to as you did had to start chuckling because that's one of the things reasons we bike, isn't it? You can chow down, you know, screw this little, you know, one gel every hour crap. You know, we, uh, you can eat some food. It's really my favorite thing. I think, I mean, in addition to like cross training and, you know, adding it to a repertoire of like, you know, multi-sport adventure days and adventure routes, the biking is great because I can just go on literally like, you know, pastry rides and stop at my favorite places. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think there are quite a few uh, cafes that, that are set up just for that very business. <laughs> well, John, you gave us a nice heads up on the uh, outlook there in the UK that has so fun. I'd never heard that. They don't, you had to explain to them fastest known time the concept why we chose that term because to them it, it doesn't really make any sense it is the record they know this right. what other cultural differences here you're coming over from the united states and you're kind of getting after some of the most prominent you know trails uh, is this a welcoming community is this like oh is this guy uh, what's what's it feel like to you it it has been absolutely incredible, uh, and that is definitely one of the huge differences here. Is, is again, there's this history and there's the com this community built up around all of these big goals uh, around the the big rounds, the Bob Graham round, and, and the others, the Penine Way, uh, all of these other other trails and, and routes, or, or sorry, routes as as they say here. And it's just amazing to see that level of support of people coming out, and it it really is a, a collective effort. I mean, I consider that record uh, a, a piece of that goes to every single person who came out to support me. And the first time I moved over here, and I had my first attempt at the Grand Round about a month after moving, and I myself was like, if I were in those shoes, I'd be like, who's this crazy American guy coming over here that thinks he's just going to bike between all of our rounds and run them in 24 hours? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, okay, whatever. We'll go, we'll go run with him and, and, and chuckle a bit. But, and, and it wasn't like that at all. I mean, they, they came out and they gave me amazing support and have continued to do so. Um, and I, I think that one thing that really causes that is not only the history, but just how geographically tight everyone is. You know, in the U.S., we're so spread out and you have these pockets. You, you know, you have Boulder and you have Flagstaff and you have uh, California and the East Coast runners. Whereas here, you know, everyone in the country is four or five hours from the Lake District. Nice, nice. I mean, this is, I'm, I'm also, I, I love that too, because my father's British. So there's also just like a very matter of fact way. I think that the Brits kind of go about things. Um, so I like, it's like, okay, well bring it on. If this guy is here and he thinks he can do it, like, you know, you either do or you don't. So um, no, I really, I really like that. And I'm excited to see, you know, maybe in the, in the future, what, what you, what you get into in, in the UK, or maybe if you come over back across the pond, um, but I think it's really cool to see, like I mentioned at the beginning of this, it's really cool to see um, the UK uh, on the list in consideration for FKT of the year. And it's awesome that we're able to kind of bring this even more into the, into the limelight, uh, a route like this. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, and uh, I, I will be coming back to the U.S. Um, th this year, actually, but I, I can't imagine that I won't be back over here uh, to continue to do a few things and, and pursue a few things that I feel like I, I didn't quite get checked off the, the to-do list. 
Wow. Wow. <laughs> Hillary, he's got a pretty serious to-do list, doesn't he? <laughs> I like it. I want to hopefully get a sneak peek. Maybe we'll, we'll see it again, him again on the, <laughs> on the 2022 FKT uh, list. <laughs> right, right. And there also is uh, you know, some events that happen here in the early spring where familiarity with mud will become very handy, I think. So uh, I like it, John. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, um, we, as Hillary said, we'll check in on you for the rest of this year as you finish off your bucket list. Wow. And congratulations again on the number one male FKT of the year. Thank you so much. And, you know, again, as it, it means even more having come from votes uh, w within the community like this. So it's, it's a real honor. And I'm glad that uh, it, something like the nine way is, is getting visibility from this. We just wrapped another year, Hillary, the sixth annual fastest known time of the year awards and thank you again for being with us your comments are so helpful and it makes it a lot more fun and more interesting so at this juncture as we're putting this to bed what are you thinking i mean what's our what's our quick review here quick review is that i'm excited that there was some international recognition in the in the top five for each side so i think that's that's awesome because uh you know, FKTs aren't just, um, you know, just something for the U.S. There are in a lot of other places. I mean, we, we had um, John Kelly made a really interesting point about this and, you know, about FKTs, you know, the history of it and, you know, places like the United Kingdom. So I think that was one of my main takeaways. Um, we had a lot of multi-day on here. We did. We did. I was a little, I was a little taken aback by that. And, of course, on one hand, it's, it's amazing. You look at these people doing 50-day trips, and it's like, wow, that's that's super impressive. Indeed, I added it up. And if you just go for the podium, which is the top five female and male, it comes out to 217 days <laughs> and 20 hours. So that's an average of about 22 days for each effort. And so the voters kind of trended toward the big trips. Yeah. I mean, maybe Pavel took a, you know, the, the chunk of that for himself, <laughs> but uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I, I was, I was surprised at that. I mean, something I think that we have agreed upon, you know, on air and off air is the fact that nothing really, there was a, a lot, a lot of variety and a lot to choose from. So I found it quite difficult to vote for the, the podium. Um, but it seemed like there was a consensus in the community about what the, what they found to be their, their favorite or what they, um, preferred, I guess, this year for the, the FKT of the year. Right. The community, the community tends to be right, so to speak. It represents the majority of people. And I liked what you said about the international first time we've put them together. And well, actually it's the first time we've gone fully international. We have done North America and Europe separately, and in the top five, two of the top five, and both female and male, are international. And on the top 10, you see that, again, I uh, actually down under did quite well, Australia and New Zealand. They didn't always make the podium, but they were in the top 10, to be sure. So I was very pleased that we did international and very pleased that the voters uh, recognize because there's no question that what's happening in Europe and down under and elsewhere is certainly the equal to the United States. Right. And um, I think it's hopefully encouraging more people to, to submit and to um, maybe put their country on the map um, and to submit some burly routes, um, you know, not just the United States, but wherever they are, because, uh, and I, I hope it, 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 they continue to do so even as races come back. So that's something mm. that I'd like to see for, for years to come. That's a good point. I like that. Um, indeed, you just reminded me of something. There was 49 people on the nomination list. And by the way, we edited that down because otherwise it'd be too overwhelming. There was even more than that in the draft. But of those 49 people, every single one received at least one vote. Everyone. 
So no one said, oh, wow, we don't care about this one. So like you said, voting was hard. And we should note here that, hey, it's fun. What we're doing here is connecting the community. We're drawing inspiration. We're just pointing fingers at a place where you can say, hey, look at this. Dive into this one a little more deeply. Because, you know, we're not really giving away that, you know, vacation for four to Cozumel to the winners. I'm sorry. Maybe next year we'll do that. Maybe then I'll submit a bunch more FKTs. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It connects our community and provides inspiration. Well, were there any things here that, uh, you know, go to the website, people, uh, either the article or the podcast, and you can see the top five. But out of those, Hillary, is there things that maybe you would have voted or did vote for you think maybe got missed that you'd like to call attention to? Yeah, so specifically on the women's side, um, I think a couple that just missed the podium, Ragna Debats, um, uh, she had maybe a shorter FKT, which, but in in my opinion, it's not to be it's not to be dinged for just because it was shorter in time. Um, she had a, basically a single mountain climb, so this is a very pure FKT kind of attempt um, or record attempt. You know, on the Canary Island, she did Pico de uh, Tiede, uh, and, and she beat. Uh, Emily Forsberg's time. So it's a pretty stout um, record. I've had the pleasure of racing against Ragna before, and she's a, an amazing athlete. So that was something that I was like, oh man, the, it missed the missed the podium um, with her with her votes. Um, another one on the female side, um, but maybe this is just because I I understand kind of the technicality and um, uh, of of this FKT. But it was Kelly Halpin for Gannett Peak. I, I personally liked that one. Um, that wasn't one that made uh, made the voters list, but I mean, at least maybe she got my vote. <laughs> uh, as you mentioned, you know, everyone got 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 a vote. Um, well, interestingly enough, in that vein, Ragna Debats, Kelly Halpin, and Alex Borsak on yeah. Glacier Peak, Washington, they all three of them got numerous number one votes even though they didn't quite make the podium. So I'm just kind of, you know, spreading the love around here a little bit is what we're doing. <laughs> and uh, on the men's side, um, something, again, I think for, for me, my bias um, is, you know, style of, you know, we're talking about supported, unsupported, or self-supported. Um, but also I think the com- competitiveness of the route um, really makes, uh, you know, a difference. And I think for me, Tyler Andrews, um, on his Cotopaxi climb was just impressive because he was literally fighting for seconds. And, um, I just think it's to go kind of high altitude and do a single up and back push is quite impressive. No, it was two seconds. Yeah. Only two seconds. (laughs) (laughs) And this is, this is against Carl Egloff. Okay. who um, you know, beat Killian's times and Kilimanjaro and Denali. So he scraped two seconds off. Two seconds is the thin margin. But I mean, he, it's, it's, yeah, just because it's not a race, you know, it doesn't mean that these things don't have a history of competition or, you know, stout times or, you know, stout athletes attempting them. So I thought was something that I um, had, uh, you know, I was disappointed maybe it didn't make it more votes. <laughs> right. Right. Anything else on the male side that you noticed? Uh, just that there was a lot of, um, you know, long multi-day, multi-day efforts. Um, but I did really like how there was uh, a couple uh, international routes, you know, and, and, you know, very toply voted. So, um, yeah, I hope that continues to be a theme for next year. Right. I know it's Peta Restorp on the, the Holt route. And maybe a lot of voters weren't familiar with this, but this is Chamonix de Zermatt. This 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 route goes back, to, I think, 1921. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe people weren't quite aware of that. And, of course, we had Jack Kunzel on the uh, Prezi, super um, competitive. And then kind of going somewhere else, um, a lot of people like Sean O'Rourke. And in a way, it was like the Lifetime Achievement Award, People don't, I, I don't think he's really won any of our things, but he's crushing it all the time on way out there projects. And he did the Wyoming 13ers in like a tenth the time, but I think it only like three people had ever done it in their lifetimes. So Sean did well. 
Right. And those routes, I think it's just the added technicality of it for, for a route like that, the Wyoming 13ers, they're burly. And then, I mean, also, like you mentioned, um, Petter, like the Chamonix to Zermont, you know, there's some amount of risk that you take on when you're doing glacier travel solo. Um, so. Yep. And I do have to call out our pal, Jason Hardrath. And I, we, we don't, we, we don't ever, ever want to reveal results and you know, numbers because it's not a race. It's not, comp- it's not a competition. No one on this list was trying to get on the list. You know what I mean? What they're trying to do is have fun, do their best, manifest their dreams. And then the community recognizes it. Um, and Jason was, I will divulge. He came very close to the podium. Uh, well, he didn't, the voters put him there. For the Washington Bulgars, which is the top 100 summits in Washington, I think he would have been on the podium if it wasn't for the name Bulgars. <laughs> but that's the oh. name of the route. He couldn't do anything about that. I mean, we have the Colorado Highest 100, uh, things like that, but the highest 100 in Washington is called the Bulgars. And I think it, I think it, the, the name kind of held that one back a little bit. Maybe. Um but I don't know. I'm a fan of, you know, the Bulgars, Bulgar wheat. It's, it didn't deter me. <laughs> didn't deter you. Gotcha. Well, if we ever did a, uh, opened up the category, Jason, of course, is like, I forgot now. Last time I looked, it was 107 FKTs and counting. So there'd be a lifetime, lifetime achievement award here for Jason if we ever did such a thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I know he's got some more things brewing, so I'm excited to see what's in store for, for, for this year, for 2022. Well, listeners should definitely go to the website. You can read all about it and you can definitely click through and read the trip reports. For example, John Kelly, who we just finished with, he's got a really good trip report of this Pennine Way. Other people have videos and you can find that all by clicking through on the website. And thanks again, Hillary, for helping connect the community. (laughs) 